Hi, and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Hi, and welcome to She's the Boss, the show that is all about female founders and women doing extraordinary things in business. Now, my name is Jules Brooke. I'm the host of the show, and I'm also the founder of Handle Your Own PR and the She's the Boss group. But today, I am incredibly excited by my guest, Libby Moore. Libby is an executive coach and CEO of her own business, Libby Moore Global. She's also an international speaker. What is incredibly exciting about Libby is that for 11 years, she was the chief of staff to Oprah Winfrey. And before that, she was the EAA to Jan Venner, who was the editor of Rolling Stone magazine in the US. So welcome, Libby. Thank you so much for doing this interview with me. I love being connected to Australia. So I'm super excited to be a part of this. Thank you, Jules. (laughs) Well, we love you being connected to us. So I'll start off with what you're doing now. Do you want to tell everybody what you're doing now and why you're doing it? The main thing I'm doing now is executive coaching, life coaching and speaking engagements. Um, something that I, well, why I'm doing it is because one, when I went at the end, when at the end of the Oprah Winfrey show, when I decided, what am I going to do next? And I took a year off to follow my heart. I caught it 365 days of following my heart that led into at the end of that year, where I think I'm going to get my coaching certification because I love helping people figure things out. And that's been about eight years now that I've been coaching life coaching led into executive coaching and is executive coaching also led into something called love X coaching, which is bringing the energy of love back into business. My belief is that when, Oh my God, that right, sounds fabulous. That's what we need now. I mean, that's what we always that. need yeah. since the beginning of time is love. And you know, it's the, the one constant thing that never changes is that we all need to relearn relearn how to love ourselves, And if we bring that person into the office, into work, into the product we're working on, that ripples out to through the, the customer, the consumer, the clients, everything that ripples out and what you send out, you get back. So bringing the energy of love back into business is what I'm most passionate about right now. I absolutely love that, Libby. And I've never heard it put that way, but you're a hundred percent right. Because if you love yourself and you love your, and you love what you're doing, that absolutely has that ripple yes. effect and it makes everybody else feel positive about right. things as well. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. So where did you get the idea for that? Um, it came through meditation. So, um, I think it was in about 2016, Uh, I was living, I went, I moved back to New York City. I'd been in Chicago for 11 years and then moved out to LA to help the team launch Super Soul Sunday, which was a show on Oprah's network. Then I moved to Seattle after I left Harpo, moved back to LA. And then I got back to New York in 2014 and I started doing, I was coaching, but I started asking through meditation, prayer, journaling, how do you coach a company as if it's an individual? And I'm giving you the short version of this. The answer that came (laughs) over a period of months is you basically teach people how to love themselves. That's it. Teach people, remind them how to love themselves. And then that will ripple out into the work that they do, or even leaving that company, going to a different place. You know, it can go, go to so many different things. So that's 
and in their personal lives as well. I mean, it's just, it's so powerful. And I have never heard anyone talk about that in business. I think it's probably underneath it all part of my own kind of attitude towards business. So I love it. Um, I love love. Okay. First of all, I'm really happy that you're saying this because there's a company that I work with um, in the States called Chobani. I think Chobani yoga is, it's also in Australia. Oh, yes. Shabani yogurt. Yes, yeah. we've got so it here too. So we've been working together um, there's, for about three or four years now, three or four years now. They are so groundbreaking. This company is so fantastic. And they, I'm one of the coaches that coaches there and they open it up to their whole company. And I said to the HR person, look, I work with people what's in their best interest. And if it's in their best interest to leave, that's in the best interest of the country, the, the company. And if they can get into alignment with their higher self and be more loving and bring that in and they want to stay, I'm telling you, you're going to see so much more from, from this employee. Because as each person's working on loving themselves through their own personal transformation, the whole company transforms from the inside out. That's how Absolutely. it Absolutely. And did they love they, the idea? I mean, have they kind of gone, yep, okay, if people leave, that's the right thing to do. Other people will come. Or have they got... Because so many companies try and hold everything close to their chest and also only open it up to the leadership team. Right, exactly. And that's why this company is why people love them. They've they're always voted one of the best companies that people love to work for because they are so cutting edge. There's so no new paradigm. So they care about their employees. That they love their employees. They love their employees, so they want to support their employer employees. And I bet, and I bet, if you were doing some digging down into their culture, their employees Absolutely. love them as well because of that attitude. I always ask in every coaching call, "What are the top three things you're grateful for?" It's after simple breath work that we do, and almost always they say, yeah. "I love Chobani." They do. They just love the company. Wow! I mean, what a great <laughs> testament. Okay, now. Um, I am obviously incredibly interested in your past careers, your career as well. And I didn't even mention Mori Povich, which is another name that we don't know right. that well in Australia, but, you know, definitely heard of them. So can I be really rude, whatever, I don't know, I'm curious and take you back to maybe high school and then tell us how your career has evolved mm, since then. That is not rude at all, Jules. <laughs> that is curiosity. I love it. Um, it is. my. So going back to high school, I was not a great st- student. I used to say I was a horrible student. And then when I um, I got an alumni award, award a couple years ago from my high school, And one of the teachers said, why are you saying you're a horrible student? You weren't horrible. I was average to below average. So that is the truth. So C's like right right in the middle. Because because it didn't interest you? Completely not interesting to me. My mind doesn't work that way. I'm an experiential learner. I'm going to go out and do it and figure it out, not through reading and books. Um, and especially with subjects of and sitting in classrooms and having to learn things yeah, by rote. Right. You need to get into life and do it. Yeah. That's, that's how my mind works. I'm not a traditional yep. learner. So it just, I was bored by it. And also I'm probably undiagnosed ADD and undiagnosed slightly <laughs> dyslexic. So it was really hard. <laughs> Hello. Right. High five. I think I'm the same. Which I like to believe I'm much more creative because of that. I do not think, I'm so glad I was never diagnosed with either because I think that puts a certain label and it's right. Yeah, I agree. I would, yeah. I don't want to know. I just think that I probably am as well. Can yeah. I just ask you what your parents did? Did you grow up in a big family, yeah. small family and were parents sort of role? models in yes. terms of yes. So my parents are um, still married, 80 and 81 years old. They still live in the house that I grew up in on the eastern shore of Maryland. 
Um, um, I totally, oh, my dad, you asked what they did. So my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and she helped my father in his business, which is landscaping, lawns, sod farms, lawn maintenance. Right. So they, he owned his own yes. business, though. So chances are, well, I, I, I just know that when I was, uh, when my son was diagnosed ADHD recently, and the doctor looked at me and went, so where's it come from? You know, it's genetic. And I said, really? I've never heard that. And then, and then she said, and the most common career for somebody with ADHD is an entrepreneur. Yeah. And I suddenly thought in my family, we've got I've got three brothers and they're all entrepreneurs. And I just wondered whether that had kind of rubbed off a bit on you with your dad well, as well. Well, I would say, one, I believe that ADD should be rebranded to attention to dynamic discoveries. There are so many interesting things coming through this portal of energy that it's about how do we manage what's yeah. coming in? I think I really do mean that. We're super creative people. I agree with you. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be a syndrome. It's exactly. a positive, not a negative. I'm, I'm happy. It's to me, it's like super creativity. It's a <laughs> Roman candle of ideas. So how do you manage all those ideas coming? So I would say my mom definitely yeah. has attention to, dynamic discoveries and and, and my dad <laughs> right. is more laser focused on things um but again right. he owned they own their own business um i was a super creative kid growing up i was obsessed with television and then one year lightning struck a lamppost which blew out the circuit that the tv so the, the our little black and white tv just literally exploded blew up and my mom said well we're not going to get another tv because you kids always fight over what to watch and wherever, whatever room the TV's in, it's always messy. So we're just not going to get another one. I was devastated. Thank you. Devastated. (laughs) Um, Because that was my fantasy world. I loved the Mike Douglas show, which was the number one talk show at the time when I was growing up. And he would interview celebrities and ordinary people doing extraordinary things, which is kind of interesting how that's a nod to my future life, which I didn't even realize at the time. Um, Yeah. So what did you think you wanted to be when you left school? Well, when I was a kid, my very first recollection is I wanted to be a cowboy when I grew up. And then (laughs) I wanted to be a professional surfer in middle school. And then in high school, I wanted to be in advertising. And then I went to college, a small women's college that offered liberal arts and professional arts. So my major was radio and television. And I thought, wow, this is so cool that I get to specifically study radio and television. Um, and by the way, back to my childhood, I'm the second of four kids. I have an older sister, younger brother, younger sister. So four kids. And after the TV blew up, you know, it was out in the yard and imagination and exploring and art. And that that's a big part. Just fantastic. What a great, what a great um, opportunity though. Even though at the time you go, Oh my God, you know, it's, it's fantastic to be able to get out and be creative. And were you bringing in other kids in the neighborhood and doing sort of plays or performances or anything like that? It was more like, yeah, we definitely had kids. We hung out within the neighborhood. And if there was a big storm, you know, we, we, there's about two and a half acres that my parents, an old farmhouse that we grew up on. So, you know, there would be flooded out parts of the lawn and I would get a surf mat, you know, like surf, a surf mat. I don't know what you call that in Australia. Same <laughs> thing, like blow up. Yep. And I would get on that with a stick on my knees and pretend like I was Tom Sawyer. You know, just like I had these big ideas in my head. And along those line jewels, um, I remember being about 13, 12, 13, 14 years old. And there was a big cornfield that came up to the back of our 
backyard and I went over to the cornfield and I was pretending like Mike Douglas, the talk show host, was interviewing me at my vacation home in Hawaii. And I was saying, look, Mike, this is where I surf every day. And I was pointing to the cornfield, pretending like it was the Pacific Ocean at my house in Hawaii. Now cut to 20 years, uh, 30 years later, I'm 44 years old. I'm standing with Oprah Winfrey on a cliff overlooking the Pacific Ocean going, look at those surfers out there. Isn't that amazing? To the number one talk show host at that time. Yeah, I know. Kind of right? blows my tiny mind, to be so, honest. So so let's go back yeah. to your career. So uh, you finished yes. school. What did you do uh, first? The very first job. Or finished uni, sorry, when you'd yes. you done your film and, uh, radio what was it, and television, television and radio. And I got an associate's degree, which is a two-year degree. I couldn't wait to get out of school. Right. I thought, yay, I've got this two-year degree. Now I'm going to go. And I got a job. I'm really impressed that you actually did further education because, you know, you could have easily dropped out at the end of school. Well, my mother was very adamant that all of us went to college, at least give it a try. She she was like, here's a, you know, you can get a two-year degree if you want. She wanted all the girls in our family to go to a women's college for the first year because she had experienced that and thought it was a great experience. So, and she said, if you want to transfer. Was it it a great experience for you? It was. It was fantastic. Um, The core friends that I met there at 18 years old are still my core friends today. And I'm 54 years old. So I, I love the people that I met. There was, <laughs> you know, I'm 54 as well. And I would say the same thing about my school I, friends. Right? That's <laughs> when's your birthday? I have to ask. We're special. Fourth of September. When's uh, yours? April 17th. So you're, you're a Virgo. Oh, I'm so an Aries. Completely different. <laughs> <laughs> I love that little tidbits of information. Um, yeah. So that, that school meant so much to me and also all the other colleges I applied to, I did not get accepted. So they're the only one that accepted me. It was called Endicott college. It still exists today. Now as a four-year school, it's an incredible school, school outside of Boston. And they saw something in me at that time that nobody else saw. And I'm so grateful to them for that. And it really yeah. created this beautiful launch pad for the rest of my career. The beginning of my So what can you career. tell us what that was? What did they say to you that obviously had this profound effect? Well, they said, yes, you're accepted. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't even in the interview, right? <laughs> I applied to, I think, three or four schools. They were the only one that said right. that obviously saw something in the interview that I did with them. And even though my grades weren't extraordinary, they saw something. And I, I'm very appreciative of that. And they gave me this amazing foundation in radio and TV, which is something that I loved. Um, Both years, your freshman and your second year, you had to do a month long internship at a place in your major. So I did a month long internship at a uh, television station at home. And then the second year I went to London I was supposed to have an internship with NBC. I walked into wow. NBC and they're like, we've never heard of you. What are you doing? No. And so that was like God. a little snafu. But I ended up working with a school in Lambeth, England, teaching the kids how to do video, video programs. So yeah, right. Anyway. Amazing. Um, and I ended up being on the board, one of the board of trustees of that college many years later. So it's just. In the school in Lambeth. Or I'm the, sorry. Or the- Radio and television school in Beverly, Massachusetts. Endicott, fantastic! That's fantastic. Giving back as well, right? So, how did you get what? So, what was the first job? Was that the Maury Povich job? Very first job was WNSH Radio, which was a tiny AM radio station, and I sold their um, 
advertising on the air. So I sold like little news packages and stuff. And then I ended up getting fired from that job 10 months later because I realized people weren't really listening to the station. They'd never heard of it. You know, even around the corner, they're like, oh, I've never heard of that radio station. (laughs) So then I felt bad selling that radio advertising. So I stopped going on calls and ultimately I got fired. And what I love about that story is that I've been fired in my whole career. I was fired twice and um, let go. uh, What do you call it? Um, Redundancy. Redundancy. Like fired, like you're bad, you're fired twice. (laughs) You're not good at this job twice. (laughs) And then the other one was like, oh, we need to, like, you can't work until this new client comes on. So, you know, laid off, it's called. Um, But I like to share that because for me... I wasn't happy in those positions at that time anyway. And it was, I knew I needed to move on, but I just didn't do it. So the universe is like, okay, we're just going to fire you. We're going to furlough you. So that you start heading in the direction you're meant to go. (laughs) Had that never happened, I never would have ended up with Oprah. So. Uh, Yeah, I I just love it. I love the opportunity. I had a boss when I was about 21 who said to me, opportunities only happen when you Mm -hmm. let go. And I didn't understand it at the time, but it's so true because you need to finish with one thing before the other opportunities come because otherwise people think, oh, she's happy yes. in that job. I'm not going to offer it to her even though I love it or the universe isn't going to yes. provide. So, um, yeah, I love your attitude. I've got a very similar one that it's kind of great. It does make you do things when um, when things happen that, you know, you don't expect. Absolutely. And anyone listening to this who either just got furloughed or got fired or you're feeling like, oh, my God, I think it's going to happen, just start looking. Say to the universe, I am open Yeah. Whatever, wherever I can best be of service for the greater good or whatever you want, open up to that and it will come. But that's right. Throw yeah. me an opportunity and it, and it will arrive. And then your job is only to recognize the opportunity when it does come exactly. and grab it. Yes. I love that. So, <laughs> okay. So, um, you, you've, you're looking for a job. So after you'd been fired, what did um, you do next? I got a temp- <laughs> I was always that person that was like, let's make ends meet. You know, I got a temp job at a a newspaper as a telemarketer, telemarketer selling subscriptions at night on the phone. Mm -hmm. It was horrible. People were eating dinner. Hi, I'm from Salem. Click, you know, but again, they were all great experiences for me to learn from. Um, I got a, and I think that one, and I did it all the way through uni, that telemarketing, and I agree, it's not great. But boy, oh boy, does it get you to overcome your fear of calling people yes. cold. I mean, in the end, you just it's just so rote, you know, that that when you then have something interesting to tell people, yeah. it's quite easy to pick up <laughs> And the Jules, when a telemarketer <laughs> calls you now, aren't you very gracious and kind and patient with them? No, I'm, no, I'm You're the kidding. absolute opposite. I go, I'm not interested and I hang Jules, up. Jules, <laughs> oh, my God, the karma. I'm no, I know. I remember it, but I remember that you had to, we had to ring. If I knew that if I rang a hundred people in my four hour shift, I'd get two or three that would oh go for it. And the people that kind of engaged me in conversation, I used to get really annoyed unless they wanted to buy. It would be like, come on, if you're not going to buy, I need to get on to the next one. So I make that very simple okay. for them. I'm not interested. Okay. Plunk. Good, good <laughs> to know. Nastily, <laughs> I'm but. like, oh, thank you so much. No, thank you. But you know, have a good night. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're much nicer than me. Anyway, I do all kinds of odd jobs and, and I would clean houses too. You know, I'm not, I was like, who needs their house cleaned? Um, and then I got a job at a, um, a 
one of my best friends from college was working at a local newspaper in Marblehead, Massachusetts. And they said, Hey, they're looking for someone to sell real estate advertising. So I got that job. I did that for a little while. I asked for when, when raise time came and I got a little raise, I said, I really need more than this. And she's like, I'm sorry, that's the budget. And I said, well, look, that bathroom is disgusting. What about I clean the bathroom once a week for X amount of money. And in addition to a salary, she said, okay, sure. So I was selling that's really yeah, clever. I, I just well felt like I need the money and I'm not, I don't mind. I'm a really good cleaner. And, and people are like, you're cleaning the bathroom. They all walked in the next, like, Oh my God, the bathroom's so clean. Cause no one ever cleaned it. <laughs> and I thought, well, I'm making extra money and I do a really good job at it. So I did that. Um, I went on to work at a record label, the first CD only record label called Ryko Disc as an assistant to the designers, there wow. were two designers designing the covers. Um, that's where I got um, laid off when they were waiting for like Frank Zappa to sign on or something and they didn't have enough money, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then um, I was at the car wash washing my car once and on the radio, I heard my favorite radio station, WFNX radio in Boston, alternative radio. Um, said, we're looking for a copywriter. So if you know how to write, we're looking for a copywriter. I went in, gave them some stuff, interviewed, got the job and um, did that for a little while. And then I decided. Did you love that one? That sounds you know royal I scene. I loved writing and I loved meeting the bands that came in. All these like, I love music. So, <laughs> you know, these cool bands would come in, free tickets to every concert. That's what I loved. Oh my God, right? what a dream as a yes. 20 year old. And, and wearing jeans to work was like unheard of, you know, if you were an account executive selling <laughs> yeah. something. So just dressing creatively, being myself. Um, but you know what I didn't like, Jules? To this day, I cannot stand radio commercials. They're horrible. It's so rare if yeah. you hear a good radio commercial. And I even wrote mm -hmm. one once that said, don't you hate radio commercials? That was the first line. And the producer was like, Libby, we can't do that. We're radio. I'm like, but they're horrible, you know. I know. And it'll resonate yes. with the audience. Did they go with that in the end? Or exactly. did they just go, no? You know, no, they would not do that. But the point, the point <laughs> that I'm making is that I was always that person that was like, but why can't we do that? And everyone would kind of say, because we don't do that or that's not what we do it's like that's not the way it's yeah, done exactly and i'm an aries you know so i'm all about like yeah. let's break new ground let's be pioneers and let's do it for the people that's how i felt which brings again love x energy bringing the energy of love back into business why can't businesses do that so it all comes from i have circle. no idea um right so next, what happened after the I, radio station? I I'm left dying the radio station. When you started working with Yarn, because I'm hearing yeah. this music okay, thing so coming in. Okay, so I left that. Um, some friends and I moved out to Colorado to ski for a year. That became two years. I walked dogs, cleaned houses, worked at a salad, wow. salad, you know, movie theater, all that. Sounds like a dream, a dream life, though. You know, skiing all the Amazing. time. Amazing. And it. there were days where my car would sit in front of the house for a week because I had no money to put gas in it, and I was trying to make ends meet. So, <laughs> it, in hindsight, it's fabulous. You know, I was twenty three to twenty five, yeah. and then after my twenty fifth birthday, I moved to New York City because I wanted to write comedy for Saturday Night Live, which is, you know, do you know what Saturday Night Live is in? I, we do know what's that. We don't okay. get it here, I think, except obviously yeah. on streaming. But, I mean, I read about yeah. it all the time because I'm still obsessed with all, with all the yes. TV and radio stuff, so I read all of that all the time. But um, 
But had you got a job no. at Saturday Night Live or you just went there going, I'm going to I just went there. My one. friend Jill, who I mentioned earlier, she, uh, my, one of my best friends from college, she was a writer yeah. for David Letterman. And I thought, well, if Jill can do it, I can do it. So I just moved to New York. She was the only person I knew there. Wow. I was sleeping on a futon in her little living room area. And um, I just took odd jobs at a temp agency. And then about a month after I was in New York, um, through a series like my younger sister's best friend's mother was best friends with the, an associate producer at the Maury Povich show. <laughs> so I took that woman to lunch. Yeah. I gave her my resume. I said, if anything comes up, let me know. She called me a week later and said, Maury needs a driver. I said, what's a driver? She said, you know, a chauffeur. So I went in to interview. Um, I met with his assistant. Yeah. I met with Maury. And um, the assistant said, if we're interested, we'll have you come back for a test drive. They called me the next day and said, yeah, we want you to come in for a test drive. And I said, you know, in all honesty, I thought about it. I cannot be a chauffeur for a year if if I get this job. So I'm yeah. going to pass. But if something else comes up, let me know. And a month later, the assistant got promoted and said, do you want to come in to interview to be Maury's personal assistant? So that's how I got into that line oh. of work. How yeah. fantastic and, and how awesome of you as well to know that I'm not going to do the yeah. chauffeuring. Like even though this is getting me closer to where yes. I want to be, it's not where I want to be and, and you'll be stuck in that job. Imagine if you'd taken the job, you never would have got the exactly. personal assistant exactly. job. Exactly, exactly. And that's why, again, there's a theme of a, a thread of just go with the truth. Like in the moment of like, oh, here's opportunity or here's the truth, go with the truth because that's always going to lead you to the better place. And by the Very way, true. I came out when I was, there was a part of me that was like, why am I working at a talk show when I really want to be in comedy? And I had only been in New York for about a month. Um, yeah. But a year into working with Mari, he did a show called Coming Out Strong. And it was five gay women who were professional and had partners. And I'd never seen anything like that. And I knew I was gay my whole life. Yes. I mean, we never saw right. anything like that. Look what happened to Ellen it was, when she It was exactly out. around that time. And it was like 1992, right. 93, I think. And so after watching that show, I knew it my whole life. I thought I'd go to my grave with a secret. And I came out while I was working for Mari at the Mari Povich show. And that's one of, it saved my life. I mean, truly coming out saved my life. Oh, I'm so glad you did because it, it is a terrible burden to yes. hold that kind of a secret. Yeah. Um, so yeah, fantastic. So grateful to Mari. So did it change anything with, with oh, work at all? Yes. I mean, because I know everyone was kind of embracing Ellen, but not embracing Ellen. So did you get a bit not of that? Not at all. If anything, my career oh, started great. to skyrocket. My life started to skyrocket. I felt like myself and comfortable in my skin. When it was New York City, which Brilliant. is wildly accepting and way ahead of most other places. Yeah. And two, it was television. So if you're in film, television, music, the arts, people are so much more accepting. They don't, they care. don't care. They're like, you be you. And that's yeah. interesting to us. As I always used to say to people, I don't care what you do in your bed. I don't ask straight right. people or gay people yeah. what they do in bed. I just want to know what right. you're doing for work. Yeah. So it was a great thing for me. And, and I weighed, I mean, I'm, I was probably at my most in college. I weighed 205 pounds. I don't know what that is in the conversion in kilos. I don't know either, but I'm guessing it's like big. Six you're saying sizes bigger, solid? six stress sizes bigger than I am now, you know. Right. Um, but that weight just melted off of me once I came out came out drinking. I totally cannot manage my drinking from 10th grade through my twenties. Once I came out, that just totally sorted itself out. Isn't that amazing? Just all that, all that stuff that's under the surface that you're not even, you're not right. even conscious of that obviously really was affecting oh, yeah, to you. To numb my feelings. I can't, 
I felt like yeah. I couldn't be yeah. myself. So I'm just going to numb myself until, you know, it's detrimental. It, that's why it is so important that we encourage people to be able to be their yes, true selves, whatever they that are. That is why I'm a coach. That's why I love doing what I do. <laughs> so, yeah. And bringing love in. Okay, so you were, how long were you with, with Murray, Murray for? for three and, years. and what did you do? He was doing fantastic. There? I learned so much from being there. Oh, great. And little did I know that that was laying the groundwork, talk show, television, for what I'd be doing with Oprah down the road. I mean, I had no clue, but that's what. That's why I was there for so many reasons, coming out, getting to know talk show TV. Yeah. So I gave him a five-week notice and I said, Mari, I have got to leave because you and your wife take such good care of me. I'm going to be here for the rest of my life and I want to be in comedy. So I'm giving you a five-week notice. I'll train someone, hire them, get a great person in place, and then I'll move on. And that's what I did. So and- that's amazing. Yeah. Can I just ask why comedy? What was it about comedy that was attracting think- you? That's a great question. And because I knew I was gay my whole life and the older I got when you should be dating a boyfriend in seventh, eighth, ninth grade or have a boyfriend. And I would think, oh, I have a crush on this friend, but I can't tell anyone that, you know, I felt more and more sad. And I found that I was very funny. You know, I have a very natural, like good timing and stuff. Right. And if I could make people laugh, that made me happy. So my deep yep. sadness. So it's like the class clown idea of hiding <laughs> yes. the hurt by just making everyone laugh 100%. around you. So because I did not feel yep. that happiness inside. Mm-hmm. If I could make other people happy, that made me happy temporarily. So yeah, and and I just love humor. Wow, I love wow. good humor. I love Saturday Night yeah. Live. I love sketch comedy, and I just thought, wouldn't that be fun? Oh, right? I do too. But I think I look at those comedians, and I think you're so brave. Yeah. You know, like I don't know that I, I, and I am pretty brave. There's not a lot that would scare me, but the idea of getting up and doing stand up does, and yet. I know a lot of women my age who are all starting really it at the moment. I love that. So it's a <gasps> thing. Yeah, it's a thing. There's, uh, there's a lot of people, I think, that have a secret desire that that finally go, you know, as we reach our 50s, yeah. stuff it. I'm going to have, right. I'm going to do it. But it's really interesting um, that that, I, I hadn't thought of it from that point of view. I just see it as being incredibly yeah. scary. What if people don't laugh at and me? I, and I see it as so, if I can get people to laugh at me, that'll make me so happy. I mean, even today. If I'm yeah. with certain people and they'll <laughs> laugh, I'll just keep going and going and going. You know, I love it. <laughs> I do. I do that too, but just yeah. off the stage. <laughs> okay. So uh, what happened after you left yeah. Mori? I mean, did you have something no. else in mind? You my were parents go... thought I was crazy. No? My mom was practically having a heart attack. Like, oh my God. Why do you keep doing this? Why do you keep taking these crazy things? And also because Maury Povich was quite Absolutely. a big name and you had a great relationship. So they would have been, Absolutely. what are you doing? Stay there for another 20 years. I did years. the opposite of what everyone says you're supposed to do. And, hey, it works for me. So um, yeah. five days before the five weeks was up, the woman was in place. I already was training her. I thought, there's no going back. She's hired. She's in place. Five days before that five weeks was up, um, some a woman called and said, hey, Libby, I just got this job as a senior supervising producer on this new show called USA Live with the People's Court and Love Connection. Do you want to be an associate producer? And I said, I don't know how to be an associate producer. And she said, well, it's really easy. I'll train you. And I said, yes, not because I wanted 
to be an associate producer because at that point I was like, wow, I really need a job. So I'll just take it. And my, and surely you said, here's an opportunity because if nothing else, you would learn how to be sure. worked. And I thought that maybe sense. that'll get, maybe yeah. I'll meet someone who knows someone at Saturday Night Live. Cause I had a laser focus on yeah. that job. So I get in there and my job was to watch these old shows of the people's court and the love connection, which had been on for years and type the transcript. Well, I failed typing in college. Oh. So I was really slow and horrible. And everyone was like, what is wrong with her? Like she's horrible. And I got fired. I don't know. It could have been a month, three months. Six. I have no idea. It's all blacked out in my mind now, but I got fired from that job. But it wasn't a it pleasant experience. It was not experience. pleasant at all. And um, ended yeah. up um, collecting unemployment for six months and telling everyone, Hey, I'm a really good housekeeper. If anybody needs me to clean your apartment or your house, let me know and spread the word. And this theme just keeps coming up. You love cleaning. Well, don't you? I'm very good at it. As a means, it's a to, means an to an end, no matter what I could go any to any country in the world. I don't need to speak the language and I can go in there and clean that house or that office building and make True. it look amazing. So to me, that's a great and this, to me, actually, it's funny you should say that. I, I just feel like our lives are so parallel in some yeah. weird way. But I also love yeah. cleaning, and I just the satisfaction yes. of transforming a yes. room. Yes, and is you're great. a Virgo. My partner's a Virgo too, so I know how much <laughs> they know. love to be tidy and clean. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I'm a very typical yeah. Virgo, but it's certainly in yeah. that way I am. Okay, so you get, get fired. fired. What do you I, do next? Um, took odd jobs and all the time, ever since I was with Mari on weekends and at nights, I would take um, improv classes, comedy profit classes, sketch comedy right. classes, stand up comedy classes. So I was doing the education and training on weekends and at night. And so when I started doing these odd jobs, I thought I'm just going to give it a year to really make it in comedy and I got into this little tiny sketch comedy group called Urban Side Effects. I mean, it didn't pay us anything, you know, but I was doing odd jobs to do the comedy thing in New York City, to do the dream thing. And after two years of struggling and making ends meet, um, someone said, hey, Jan Wenner at Rolling Stone, he's the founder and publisher of Rolling Stone. Oh, my God. He's such I a hero I love that you're mine. saying that. Yeah, I love that you know who he is because not everybody knows. I just feel like he's, he's so very, cool. Like, that, you know, that, that, yeah, was, yeah, that yeah. was amazing magazine yes. and he was an incredible editor. And so um, I heard that he was looking for a second assistant, not the first assistant, the second assistant. And I said, well, you know what? I'm going to go okay. in an interview. I interviewed with his first assistant. She was amazing. And she said, look, if you want to be the first assistant, I'm not going anywhere. I've been here for 25 years. This is my career job, but I need help support in the office. I was like, perfect. Cause I'm going to write for Saturday Night Live someday. And I just want this to be a nine oh, yeah, to five. So this is fine for so me. We were, we were a match yeah. made in heaven. I stayed there for four years and Mary McDonald is her name. Mary McDonald O'Brien she was amazing at right. her job. And again, Jules, I didn't realize it at the time, but she was modeling for me how to be an amazing assistant, executive assistant, how to be an incredible manager to get people to, to do well for you because they want you to be happy. You don't have to scream at people. Do you know what I mean? That is so old paradigm. Yeah. If you've got anger management issues, you need to work on that because that is old paradigm. That does not that doesn't play anymore. So Mary was amazing. Right. She was really cool, super respectful, non-screamer. And I learned everything I needed to know from her in those four years. So here's right. how the Oprah thing came in. 
I'd been, I got an interview with the head writer, Saturday Night Live, an informational interview. I left thinking, I went in thinking, right. here it is. You know, I've been here for so long <laughs> in New York trying to, and here it is. They're going to hire me on the spot. I had no writing experience or anything. I left that interview thinking, I am never going to write for Saturday Night Live. These are all older <laughs> guys that went Done. to like Ivy League schools with a ton of writing experience. Oh, really? yeah. I would not have expected yes. that, actually, out of Saturday Night Maybe Live. Maybe not right. now, but at the time, it was very like, um, yeah. And there have been, there's been articles about there being a bit of a toxic yes. atmosphere there, but it's kind of hard to believe when it's such a lighthearted, yeah. irreverent show that it would be so hard, but obviously yeah, it was. Yeah, and that was in yeah. the 90s. I was like 90 in yeah. the 90s. And then I started focusing on the Rosie O'Donnell show, which was a big talk show at the time. And I thought, well, yes. she's gay, I'm gay. She respects kids and older people. I respect kids and older people. And I get her humor. I could write for her. So I started sending writing submissions to the head writer for 10 months straight. No reply at all. I'm making this very short now. So basically one day on the subway, the train going to work, I said, okay, God, yeah. universe, clearly you don't want me to write for Saturday Night Live or Rosie O'Donnell because you know how badly I want it. So whatever it is I am meant to do, every atom, cell, and molecule in my body, mind, soul, and spirit is open to it. Show me what it is, shine a big fat spotlight on it, and I'll do it. And I just sent that intention, that prayer out to the universe. And about five or six weeks yeah. later is when the Oprah opportunity came to me. So how did that even happen? I mean, I would have been beside myself. I, she was huge, huge in those days as well by this, that stage. This she? was um, 2000, in the fall of 2000, October 2000. Yeah, um, humongous. Yep. This, I was in a networking group of about 100 assistants, two high-profile people in New York in all different industries. And a right. woman in that group, Trish Peters, sent an email to the group saying, hey, I was just contacted by a recruiter in Chicago, and they're in search of a chief of staff executive assistant to a high-profile person in Chicago. Responsibilities include coordinate private plane pilots aviation team, coordinate hair and makeup team. And immediately I thought, oh, my God, that's Oprah Winfrey, because Jenny Jones yeah. and Jerry Springer cannot afford a private plane because they were also talk show hosts in Chicago. Right. Okay. Yep. Yep. And I knew, Jules, as I asked, it was like a lightning bolt. This is Oprah. This is why you did not get a job at Saturday Night Live and Rosie. This is what you're meant to do. And I got so excited. Right. And I ended up getting that job and staying for 11 years. That's amazing. So what did you do with Oprah during that time? I mean, I know we're talking yeah. 11 years, so it's not like you can um, tell me everything, but were there some key moments that stand out for you? Well, the role was, um, it wasn't, it's not chief of staff where you're running the company. It's a chief of staff in her private office. So, and I was her key liaison and there was a team of five assistants, which grew eventually to be five assistants on the team. So with right. me, it was six people to manage and schedule and coordinate her business her and her personal life and make sure it was all going in sync. Right. So without that team, I wouldn't have lasted for a month, honestly. They were much Amazing. better at what needed to be done than I ever could have been. What I was good at is connecting with her and energy and being five steps ahead. I was going to say, did you become friends with her over yeah, that time? I mean, we, it was a working relationship that also became a friendship. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, just 
I mean, the fact that she that, that you stayed for so long, you're, you're part of the family, I, mean, I would have thought. she is extraordinary. I can't, I can't say enough good things. Did she? I just feel like she must be. And obviously this week the whole Harry and, and Megan interview has put her firmly back in the spotlight again. But she comes across as such a lovely she woman. She is. What you see is what you get. Smart and driven, uh, though. I mean, just incredible. What you say? Driven? Driven and very smart. Like she's very ambitious or she comes very across that Very smart and surrounds herself with very smart, capable people. I mean, she and, oh, and I love that. goes with her intuition. You know, always goes with her intuition. Right. What feels right. Even if everyone's saying, no, you have to do it this way. She'll say, this is what feels right for me. So that's like one of the things that I learned right. from her is you go with your intuition. What is right for you? So it's just the most extraordinary. I feel like I won the career lottery being able to work with her. I, I think you did as well. Just hold on one second. I'm going to keep asking about that. I've got an interview after this. I'm just okay. going to put it off. I am loving talking to you and I'd much rather just keep that going. And I've got a bit of time afterwards. So, and she's in America. So let me just quickly email her. Um, Who who are you interviewing? A woman called Dr. Liz. Hang on. I've got to find her email address. Um, Dr. Liz Bataille. Dr. Liz Launch Life. Hang on. Let me just send her an email. Launch life at gmail.com. That's okay. Sorry, there we go. I've asked for an extra 15 minutes. That gives us 20 minutes. Um, so. I have a call. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, even if we did another five minutes, I don't care, but tell me. So what was I saying? So we were just talking about how amazing mm-hmm. Oprah was. And I had asked you, were there any key mm-hmm. moments? Um, can you, do you want me to ask you a question I again? I think so. That's such, that's so broad, but if yeah, you can be, I think we kind of if you can be more specific one, so. about what kind of key moment, like, um, what do you mean by that? Yeah, ask me the question. I I don't actually know. Okay. Um I'm so I'm so excited by the idea that you worked with Oprah Winfrey. Can you tell me what it was like working with her and whether there was anything what you learned, I guess, out of the experience in terms of watching somebody like that run a multi-billion dollar career and business? Uh, what sort of things did you learn from her? God, that's so hard to answer. Anytime someone asks me that, I find <laughs> it very hard to answer because I just get this flood of information. Okay, well, well let's. I, let's, but I'll, I know, I'll share something. Over 11 years, there this must have been millions. This is what I'll say. Sorry, and I on. think it's different than what people think I'm going to say. The number one thing okay. I learned from her is be yourself with all people at all times in all situations. She modeled that for me. She, she, I saw her, whether she was with a president, a prime minister, Nelson Mandela, Dr. Maya Angelou, or um, her family or her friends or her housekeeping staff or a server in a restaurant or housekeeping oh, in great. a hotel, the same person throughout. And I saw how powerful that was and how people responded to her. She didn't have to be like, oh, I'm going to act like this with one person and this with another. She is. Music. Yeah. There's a lot of people that have their business yeah. face or their sort of outdoor face. And then, and then you hear that they're horrible in the background, but Phenomenal. she was consistent, consistent right the way smart, through. Funny, 
generous, kind. I can't, and a human being, a human being, you um, know, and I think it, it's hard being put up on a pedestal and being a human being, you know, that's who she is. Yeah. She's phenomenal. And, she, and the other thing I guess I love with her, she shares her insecurities. We've gone on that weight journey mm-hmm. with her. We've gone on health journeys with her. We've, we've followed her relationship with Stedman, her best friend, and how everyone said she was gay because she's got a best friend. All of that, we've just sort of seen all of it, and she's just been so gracious all the way Absolutely. through. Absolutely. She is truthful. That's who she is. And, I mean, she, she shared so, so much about herself. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot left. Yeah. No, I bet. So let's talk about the end of the show. How did she tell you and how did you feel when you heard it was all going to come to an end? I'm just going to mention that I don't see your video and I'm not sure if that's going to be an issue. It won't be because it's recording you locally and it's recording me locally. So if we can't see each other, it doesn't matter. It should pop back at some stage. Look, we've only probably got another five minutes or so. I was going to finish this with um, asking you about what it was like when, when you had to finish it and then what are you doing now? Because I know you took yeah. that year, so can we briefly yeah, touch I on that 10, year, 365 yeah, I have minutes? Um, okay, it's still all working as far okay. as I can see. Still recording, so. It says, Jules' video has been disabled due to internet quality issues. Their video is still recording. Got it. Yeah. Okay, there you are. Now you're back. Oh, good. And I'm being recorded on here anyway, so that'll be the footage we use of me. So you were at... Okay, go ahead. um, Let me go back to... So so after loving and working with Oprah for 11 years, what was it like when when she decided that it was all going to finish? And how did that leave you feeling about what you were going to do next? um, She announced to the show, everyone who worked at the show, I think there were about 800 people at Harpo productions with contractors and everyone um two years before the show ended she announced that she would be ending the show which is very gracious you know you she would say you've got two years pay off your bills save your money whatever you need to do because when this (laughs) contract comes up in two years i'm not renewing it because it would renew every if she chose to every five years so anyway um at that point a couple months after that announcement i said i just want you to know where i am i love you. I love working with you. I'm going to stay with you to help you transition from the Oprah Winfrey show into the Oprah Winfrey network, which was then not just. So she, you knew that she was going to oh, start yeah, her own she network had already at that started stage. working on that right. network. So it launched before the show ended the network. Right. Um, and so I knew that's what she was moving into. Um, and I just said, I'm going to be with you until you feel settled in your big move um, professionally and from Chicago out to California. And once you're settled, it's time for me to move on from this role because I'm just fried. I was just burnt out. It wasn't her. It's all the other moving parts and companies that whirl and swirl around her. And do you think that's part of the reason why she ended it as well, that she was just exhausted? I think she was exhausted, but she also felt like she had interviewed almost Everyone that she, it was 25 years. I believe it was 4,000 interviews that she did. So, you know, I think that she was ready to do something different. And this opportunity came along with discovery to do a, an entire network. And so the opportunity came and she said, yeah, this feels like a good time to do that. And so it wasn't abrupt at all. It was very well thought out and um, very gracious with all of the people working with her. 
Um, and so I had said, you know, it's time just fried. It's time for me to move on from this role. I want to stay with you in your Oprah universe, but I just can't do this role anymore. Yeah. And she understood yeah. completely. So <laughs> I bet she, I bet she in some ways, cause I know you took a year out and went traveling. I bet that was <laughs> something she was probably quite envious of you doing because that's, it's just such a liberating mm. thing to go, right, I'm now, I can do whatever I want and go and yeah. visit wherever I want and, and just yeah. see the world. Well, we did have two years to try to figure out what that next role would be. And we just couldn't agree on what it would be, what felt right for me or what, what felt right for her. So I ended right. up leaving January 1st, 2012, hired someone, trained them for four and a half months, got a really good person who was phenomenal in, in place where I was. And that woman took her to a whole nother level, which is exactly what I wanted. Right. Someone who could take her to places I could not take her in that role of chief of staff. And then when I stepped yeah. out and I love that it was January 1st, 2012, and I just didn't even have a plan. I just thought, I'm just going to follow my heart. I'm going to sleep in. I'm going to stay up late if I want to, and I'm going to sleep in and watch movies Fantastic. and just reconnect yeah. with myself and my partner and my friends and my family and travel. And that's what I did. And I just, it was amazing. So you took a whole year, year, didn't you? Where did and you I go do to? want to say, Jules, that um, a person that I respect very yeah. much who worked within her organization said, Libby, you can take three months for sure. You can take three months off. People will understand that. You're, you've been so busy for 11 years. You can maybe take six months, but if you take a year off, people are going to forget about you. You can't do that. And I said, thank you. I am going to take a year off because the people who forget about me, we're not meant to be either friends or, um, you know, working together. That's fine. That just means we're so going true. on our org. But, you know, that's, I think that's peculiarly, now I'm going to try and say peculiarly American mm. because uh, for a long time when I lived in London, my best friend was American. And I remember saying to her, when I go back to Australia, and say I've been working in London, they're going to be going, oh, my God, we want to employ you. You must have learned so much, you know. And she said, when I go back to America and tell them I've been living in London for two years, they're going to go, why did you yes. give up your career? And I just thought that was a really profound yes. difference between Australia and America in terms of taking time yes, out from work. absolutely. So it's interesting that, that you did it. That is the culture we grew up in. That is the culture that still exists almost. I think with COVID, people are really waking up and going, wait a minute, what's important in my life, you know? So I yeah. also at that time, um, I did a lot of experiments like uh, saying, I'm going to take a year off and see what happens. I don't care if people forget about me. People would say, you have to be on Facebook in order to be successful. I get it. You were busy with Oprah. You didn't want to be on Facebook. Now you have to. I said, thank you. I'm not going to be on Facebook. So I never have been. Yeah. I stopped Googling people. Right. I just like you. Remember when we talked, I just want to meet people heart to heart. I don't know what your story is. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't want to hear. I don't want to know anything yeah. beforehand. I want Old you to school. tell me. Like be fresh. Yeah. Um, so... So what did that year look like? What did you do? I, um, well, one, the first thing we did, my After partner the Lions, and I, obviously, um, and <laughs> we went to South Africa to the very first graduating class of Oprah's, oh, wow. the Oprah and Freed Leadership Academy for Girls. Cool. Yeah. So we went there and that was my, to, to the graduation. And then afterwards, my partner and I went on a little um, private safari afterwards. And it was the first time in 23 trips to South Africa that I did something, just a personal trip, like no For Blackberry, yourself. no emails, like I'm free. It was so amazing to think 
I don't have to check emails. I don't have to check my voicemail. I'm free, you know? Um, and then uh, yeah. Oprah had a little birthday celebration at her house in Hawaii at the end of the month. So we did that. And then when we came back to, uh, we were living in Santa Monica, California at the time. And my partner and I just planned this one, I think it was a two week or one month road trip up the West coast from LA all the way up through Big Sur along the coast, Oregon to see my sister, Seattle. And then we were going to come back down. And when we were in Seattle, Washington, our friend said, Hey, this cute little cottage came up for rent down just around the corner. Do you want to go check it out? And we looked at it and I just said to my partner, we need to live here. I want to rent this cottage for a year. And so we just did Uh, it on a whim. And we lived in this tiny little one bedroom cottage on a lake in Seattle. And I knew one person, this friend that we went to visit and I loved it. Cause I was like, we were out of LA, we we're out of the whole entertainment world. And it was just like getting back to nature and myself and my family and friends. And that's what I did for a year. I went to Brazil. I just, it was How fantastic. wonderful. That just sounds absolutely fantastic. I mean, in some ways, did you have to work again? Did you, th- did you think we could just stay here forever and I'll do handcrafts and stand up in the local pub <laughs> no. and your partner can do whatever. I mean, did that occur uh, to you at, at some no, stage? No, I felt like, a year is perfect. And then I'm going to be open. I'm a big believer for me of show me where to go next, not really mapping it out, but just show me. And then when you're open in that way, you're talking with people and people go, Oh, so-and-so needs an assistant. You would be amazing. Oh, no, thank you. I I've been to the mountaintop with Oprah Winfrey. I had the best job in the world. (laughs) I've I'm done. Like check that box. She was amazing and no one could be as good as her for me. So Right. So it was yeah. very clear. I could say no to certain things. And then other things sounded really interesting. It was like, oh, I'm open to doing that. And that's how coaching came about. At the end of the year, people said, right. what are you going to do now? And I said, I'm going to connect with people heart to heart, energy to energy. And people would roll their eyes and say, well, how are you going to make money doing that? And I said, I have no idea, but I love this so much. The money will come. And I got my coaching certification and started coaching. I've never advertised, no marketing. It's all word of mouth. And no Facebook. And I love what I do. I love it. Uh, Well, I can only tell you from just this conversation that I imagine you are absolutely brilliant at it. Like I would love to to be, you know, learning from somebody like you. I love your attitude. I love everything that you've done and the fact that it's come to you, but you've taken advantage of opportunities. You really are an amazing and very inspiring woman. Thank you, Jules. Thank you. I appreciate that. I really (laughs) appreciate you saying that. My absolute pleasure. And I don't say that to everyone, I promise. So, uh, you know, I, I, I do think you're amazing. Uh, listen, we, we've run out of time. I can't believe it because I could talk to you for about <laughs> another three hours. But um, we're going to have to wind it up. I know you've got other meetings to do and so do I. So if anyone wanted to get hold of you, what would be the best way for the them to do that? The easiest way is my website, which is libbymore.com, L-I-B-B-Y-M-O-O-R-E.com. I'm on LinkedIn and I'm also, I have Instagram, which is Libby Moore Gypsy Tour. I also have LoveX Global. I'm going to be shutting down Libby Moore Gypsy Tour because someone, uh, Roma people uh, said that Gypsy is derogatory. And I was like, oh, okay. And explain deeply why. So I thought, okay, I'll just shut that down. So really yeah, my website enough. is the best way. LoveX Global, Love X Global, that Global sounds amazing is, as well. Is going to be my new Instagram, which I've already started. I think there's maybe nine pictures up. Fantastic. Yeah. 
Oh, Libby, thank you so much for this great interview. I just appreciate your time. I loved hearing the stories. I love hearing the windy, wiggly road of your career. And um, I really appreciate it. And I'll be keeping an eye out for you moving forward to see what oh, else you Jules, get up to. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. We'll, we will stay connected for sure. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au. 